from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Going green while fighting to save their farms. How the rise in electric cars may mean the end for some farming operations in one country more cuts to the nation's cotton crop. We're definitely moving in the wrong direction for global demand for U.S. cotton producers. As U.S. ag leaders take the administration's sustainability plans overseas. We flipped the script. The latest from the COP28 conference as world leaders turn their attention to food and how it's grown right now on Ag Day. Ag Day presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the testing grounds meet the proving grounds. Pioneer. What's next happens here. Good morning. I'm Clinton Griffiths. The U.S. may have been on the defensive at the last U.N. climate meeting, but this year, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says they flipped the script. Vilsack attended this year's COP28 meeting in Dubai. Speaking with reporters on the phone after the event, Vilsack said it was a much different experience this year. The meeting committing a full day to the world's food and agriculture production and climate impacts. Now, Vilsack saying this time around, there was real interest in what the U.S. is doing in regards to climate mitigation efforts. At the conference, 152 nations signed on to a special declaration. A declaration that outlines the steps that need to be taken uh, in order to ensure that we can produce the food necessary to meet the nutrition needs of the world now and in the future, it lays out a series of commitments and, and directions that I think are very, very consistent with what the, the United States uh, farmers and ranchers uh, have been engaged in. Now, Vilsack at the conference highlighting the number of U.S. farmers taking part in market-based voluntary conservation programs, programs such as the Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities, the Agriculture Innovation Mission for Climate, or AIM for Climate, and the Food System Transformation Initiative. Now, if you sell to several major dairy producers, get ready for new methane measures. Six major companies, including Bell Group, Danone, General Mills, Kraft Heinz, Nestle, and a segment of Lactalis have committed to disclosing their methane emissions. Now, it's part of an effort to address the environmental impact of livestock. The group making the announcement at the COP28 Climate Summit, offering new transparency of their dairy supply chains. The six also agreeing to implement methane action plans in collaboration with the Environmental Defense Fund. While USDA didn't make revisions last week to the nation's corn or soybean crops, it did make some changes to cotton. The low yield it predicted in November, now even lower. In fact, it's the lowest since 2003. The downgrade in yields representing a drop of 18 pounds an acre, down 185 pounds from a year ago. It puts the crop at 12.8 million bales. That's 12% below 2022. And forecasters are also calling for a drop in exports and a drop in cotton used by U.S. mills. We're definitely moving in the wrong direction for global demand for U.S. cotton producers. Since about 2000, we've seen a very sharp decline year after year on our domestic mill industry as that milling has gone overseas. And here we find ourselves now below 2 million bales. 
Now that's the lowest since the late 1880s. The California Department of Ag is expanding a citrus quarantine area after more cases of citrus greening were detected. It was found in five orange trees on a residential property in Valley Center in North San Diego County. There are more than 120 growers and 120 nurseries in the Valley Center quarantine now. In total, commodities at those properties are valued at $19.4 million. Now you'll remember early last month, we told you the quarantine already included Fresno, Kern, San Luis Obispo, and Tulare counties. You can see the quarantine areas on this map there in blue. At the time, 18 other California counties were being added to the list by the department's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service in order to apply safeguarding measures to track regulated items from possibly coming from those quarantine areas in an effort to prevent the spread of the disease. A severe weather outbreak over the weekend with at least 25 preliminary tornado reports across five states. One tornado hitting Clarksville, Tennessee, causing extensive damage and killing at least three people. Cars were tossed on roofs as downed trees and debris littered the roads. Winds of over 100 miles per hour also hit Kentucky and tore roofs and walls from several buildings. Now the storm pushing to the eastern U.S. on Sunday and Monday and turning rain over to wet snow for areas in the northeast. Hopefully quieter weather is on the way this week. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with a look ahead. Matt. Yeah, quieter is going to be the term uh, the next uh, couple of days uh, for the next week. This is going through a Saturday, uh, the 16th through most of next week and the brown indicating drier than normal conditions uh, across a good portion of the United States and may get uh, some moisture some above average or wetter than normal conditions down into the southeast. That includes Florida, Georgia, South Carolina and North Carolina. The same situation over on the west coast. So what we're going to be watching for is the potential for a trough to dig down or the energy from the jet stream to work from the west to the east after this period. So after December 20th, now some of that working again from the west to the east. But right now that is a quiet pattern setting up across the United States in regards to and what we're seeing out there in terms of temperatures, but also at any dips in the jet stream. Quick look at the temperature outlook December 16th to December 20th. No surprise here above normal for a large portion of the United States. Go ahead, take a look at your screen here. Hopefully you know, we'll get more of these pictures. Another great picture from a great helper on the farm, Liz uh, in Nebraska, sharing a picture of this little one. Liz says she's pretty sure she has the cutest vet assistant out there. Yep, no arguments here. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Now, keeping you updated on the situation at the Panama Canal, Reuters reporting U.S. bulk grain shippers that are hauling crops to Asia are having to sail longer routes and pay higher freight costs in order to avoid congestion at the canal. It's reported ships moving crops have faced wait times of up to three weeks to pass through the Panama Canal, which has had to cut back on daily ship movements due to extreme drought and grain ships are often at the back of the line as they usually seek transit slots through the canal only a few days before arriving, unlike many container ships, which have a consistent schedule. Now, experts say the delays could continue to impact grain shipments well into next year. A lack of rain and tough weather conditions in Brazil since soybeans soaring on Monday. We'll dig into all of our markets coming up next in Markets Now. And later, the demand for electric cars is making its way 
to farms in Indonesia. It's a battle over resources and farmers don't always win out. That sort in the country. And this is your last week to sign up for the Case IH holiday giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of awesome gifts. Now, we'll announce the winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced just before the holiday on U.S. Farm Report. Now they'll win a Farm All Seed Pedal Tractor. Wouldn't that look great under the tree? To enter, head over to the website on your screen at caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Brazilian weather is a big driver of U.S. markets to start the week with soybeans climbing some 20 cents at one point. And as Michelle Rook has more in Markets Now. Grains closing mixed on Monday. Dave Chatterton with Strategic Farm Marketing joining us. And soybeans led the rally higher over in that part of the complex, Dave. And how much of that was just putting some of this Brazil risk premium back in? Yeah, I think that's almost all of it here, Michelle. And I mean, you look at what happened over the weekend, and there was some rainfall in those northern and central parts of Brazil, or the dry areas, as we, as we referred to them. But those totals were a little bit disappointing. Our weather guy indicated that, you know, coverage of over a half inch, only on about 15 to 20% of the area there. And then the forecasted rains that we had this week look like they're getting pushed back. So there are light scattered showers this week with the, the anticipation that maybe that could improve next week. But certainly the trade, you know, very... Uh, sensitive to that i think you saw that reaction today and as we talked about it, you know hard to pin down exactly where that crop is but at this point i think it, it's safe to assume that it's not getting bigger we market went the opposite direction though for the second day and we had been fueled by some china business but what now we're seeing some profit taking in that wheat market yeah, you know, the old saying, you got to feed the bull every day. No flash sales to China today. And I think the trade, for the most part, assumes that by the action that we see in the cash markets, that the Chinese buying program on soft red winter has probably completed at least itself, at least for now. It doesn't mean they can't come back in later. But for right now, things have gone a little bit quiet. And with the rally that we've had here of late, we've pushed our export offers back above those of, let's say, France or Australia. Just don't look overly competitive on that front. So without that Chinese buying to kind of prop us up here a little bit, it's been a very nice run in wheat. And as you indicated, I think we saw a little bit of profit taking in that market. Corn lower, did it just follow wheat? Yeah, corn definitely weighed on by the wheat complex here. Not a lot of relevant news. When we look at weekly export shipments here, corn, I guess I'll say within expectations, but not something that was, uh, you know, overtly bullish or exciting here by any means. Beans down to a 10-week low and wheat, you know, actually kind of a non-event. So, you know, just look at corn looking for a little bit of a help stuck in the middle here of the chart. You know, we need to get that march above 496 before we're going to really do anything to these funds short. You know, positions are scared. Anybody on that side of, of the ledger and, you know, today we're, we're going the opposite way and, and moving back towards maybe testing some support. Thanks for joining us, Dave Chatterton with Strategic Farm Marketing. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com.
Yeah, one thing that we looked at just a little bit ago, uh, the outlook in regards to precipitation, rain or snow, uh, or temperatures and temperatures, both of those maps. Now we'll start to kind of overlay what's going on in the jet stream that's going to keep things uh, fairly quiet. Now we'll start off with the above average precipitation on the West Coast. This is on Thursday. Doesn't look like much right now, but the overall flow is going to be very similar to what we had last week uh, through Oregon and Washington. Now where we're kind of opening up uh, that tropical moisture to work uh, from the southwest up to the northeast. Now as we put this into motion, what you're going to end up seeing uh, is another ridge build in and across the United States. So through Thursday and Friday, try to get a weak cutoff low. Now that's going to be for Friday and Saturday, slightly cooler temperatures kind of moving in from the north to the south. That's what we're seeing right here in the Midwest and Minnesota, Wisconsin with this uh, very weak cutoff low. But that is going to be in between uh, two ridges, one down here to the southeast. And I keep pointing this out. Remember last week I was pointing out too. What's interesting about this is that we typically don't see that until spring, summer, even a little bit into fall. That is going to be the Bermuda high that is starting to redevelop even this time of year, which is going to keep a lot of the colder air locked up back here to the north. The other ridge is right back out here towards the four corner states. So again, there's a jet stream coming up uh, on Friday. A weak clipper system will increase the cloud cover a little bit, bring in some cooler temperatures, but basically cooling most of the nation down back towards average. As you get into Sunday and Monday of next week, with that Bermuda high, uh, that is going to again lock up a lot of that cold Arctic air. It, it is going to get colder slightly below average, but on the heels of that little pocket is going to be a more expansive ridge of high pressure. This takes us to Monday and Tuesday of next week with that ridge building out of the four corner states and then uh, kind of kicking out that cutoff low, that circle that you see over North Carolina. So as we go forward through the rest of your Monday, you got uh, temperatures overall staying about average and a weak clipper system bringing in the potential for some cloud cover, maybe some rainfall back into Texas and also into New Mexico. We'll start off taking a look at Baker. Partly cloudy skies high around 36 degrees, low of 17 degrees in Montana, Wisconsin, Austin, mostly sunny, high of 31. What about New York? Cloudy, high of 45, low of 32. Another important part of USDA's supply and demand report involves dairy production. Now, the agency now forecasting a production cut next year. It cut the outlook to 229 billion pounds, and that's down 1 billion pounds from last month. It also revised its outlook for the year, cutting it by 200 million pounds from the November forecast. USDA says it's due to reduced milk production per cow along with a smaller dairy herd. Instead, experts say dairy farmers are producing more butter and cheese. Corey Geiger, the lead dairy economist with CoBank, saying, quote, most consumers are eating their dairy products these days as opposed to drinking beverage milk. Also weighing on dairy producers, rising interest rates, and that can cut into farmers' plans for expansion. Phil Plurt of Everdon Ag doing a little math here. He says costs on building a big dairy are running about 60 cents per hundredweight above 2021 levels. But Curtis Garretts of Compere Financial says dairies that have plans in place to do improvements are moving forward for the most part. Now he says farmers appear to be focusing not necessarily on interest costs, but on what the return on investment will be. The problem right now, a shortage of skilled builders 
of dairies with many contractors booked up to 18 months out. Debates about the new energy economy often involves farmland. Whether it's taking land out of production for solar panels or wind turbines, that story next. Shifts to green energy, demand for electric vehicles is expected to surge. Now, the International Energy Agency says by 2030, there could be 10 times as many electric cars on the road as today, and demand for nickel, an element essential to produce batteries, is expected to rise. Indonesia is the world's largest producer of nickel, and the surge there to help people go green has farmers facing some serious impacts, as Paula Hancox reports. The island of Sulawesi, home to rainforests and lakes, farms and fishing communities. Rich in minerals, it's also home to a growing number of sprawling nickel mines. Nickel is found everywhere around us. Its growth fueled in part by the global race for cleaner energy sources and surging demand for electric vehicles. On Sulawesi, nearly a thousand miles from Jakarta, the global push to go green has come at a cost. Masita used to be a pepper farmer here on the island's remote region of East Luwu. Her farm and those of her adult children were conceded in 2015 without notice to make way for the expansion of nickel mines, she says, and are now owned by PT Vale, one of Indonesia's largest nickel producers. They have farmed the land for a decade. They never felt the need for official deeds until now. In Indonesia, it's not unusual for landowners to find their property has been taken by the government and sold to exploit its natural resources. Many in her village lost their land, she says, receiving compensation of a little more than 3,000 US dollars in return. As the breadwinners of the family, women farmers, fear their lands will be conceded and dredged up to make way for more nickel mines and processing plants. <laughs> Nuresia has been growing and selling pepper on this land all her life. She says representatives for PT Vale have started taking soil samples around the village, telling residents they purchased the land. She, along with others in the village, have joined the group Women Fighters of Lueja, an organization fighting for their rights to the land. Hasma, founder of the group, has brought the women together to hear updates on their efforts. The group has staged protests against the mining company and sought support from the central government. CNN reached out to PT Vale Indonesia and the Indonesian government regarding the claims. The company has in the past denied accusations it had seized land from indigenous people in East Luwu. Last year, it told Indonesian magazine Tempo, PT Vale has never taken rights from other parties without their consent. It said it acquired the land as a result of an agreement with the Indonesian government. Hasma's group has sought help from Wali, Indonesia's oldest environmental NGO, which has offices in Sulawesi. Perempuan juga, setelah kami berdiskusi bersama mereka, juga mengetahui arti penting dan manfaat atau pihak yang paling akan menderita dan akan menjadi korban ketika. CNN reached out to PT Vale Indonesia and the Indonesian government also regarding these claims. On its website, the global company says it recognizes its activities may cause significant environmental impacts and that it invests in ways to manage risks and minimize the socio-environmental impacts. Wadley has pleaded for world leaders and foreign companies to be aware of the impacts of nickel mining. 
industri hijau itu perlu didefinisikan ulang. Kalau industri hijau diperoleh dari kegiatan yang menggusur tanah rakyat, menggusur perkebunan rakyat, saya kira itu bukan green industry. Electric cars and batteries, part of global efforts to reach net zero emissions, could mean for them losing everything. In trying to save the future, these women's pasts are being destroyed. Paula Hancock's CNN. Now, in an email, the company did not deny that the land had been seized. It did not say whether it legally purchased the land, but said it operates in accordance to the law. It said it's working with local authorities to address what it says is, quote, illegal farming. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Agda, I'm Clinton Lewis. Have a great day.